This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network with a look at markets. I'm Randy Conan. USDA lowered old crop corn ending stocks by 1% to 1.36 billion bushels in Friday's quarterly grain stocks report. Soybeans down 2% at 268 million bushels. Wheat ending stocks raised just slightly 1.78 billion bushels. The corn stocks were below the average trade estimate, but within the range of trade guesses. Soybean ending stocks were at the top end of trade guesses and also well above the average trade guess. Wheat ending stocks just slightly higher than the average trade guess. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoops says the negative soybean and wheat numbers pulled the corn market lower. Corn at 1.361 uh, billion bushels, that was well below the average trade guess. So. Initially, that looks kind of friendly to the trade, but you look at the wheat production numbers, they're plunging and driving wheat futures lower. Soybean stocks were above expectations, a bearish surprise of the trade, and it looks like uh, soybeans and wheat, particularly spring wheat, are really pulling everything lower at the Board of Trade, including dragging corn down, um, as it just doesn't have that positive of a fundamental base to begin with. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose says Thursday's hogs and pigs report, coupled with Friday's quarterly grain stocks report, had traders taking risk premium out of the commodities. You know, you look for the catalyst on it, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a risk-off trade, uh, both the hog and pig report and the grain report, other than the hard red spring wheat, um, wasn't really that uh, negative. But I think the government shutdown was a big part of it. Uh, markets do not like uncertainty because you just don't know what can happen where we go. Um, so that is it. As of September 1st, there were 74.3 million hogs and pigs in the United States. That's up slightly from last year and 2% up from the June report. During this past summer, swine producers weaned an average of 11.6 pigs per litter. Iowa is the largest pork production state. Minnesota ranks second. North Carolina is ranked third. Progressive ag marketing market analyst Brian Strumman says the livestock market was pulled lower Friday by Thursday's hogs and pigs report. Lean hogs lock limit down. Uh, uh, again, the bearish hogs and pigs report uh, uh, adding the pressure there today, and and then uh, China announced that they're lifting their ban on pork from Russia that's been in place since 2008. So that just adds a little more salt to that wound. Uh, live cattle feeder cattle both uh, sharply lower today. Again, the the cash in the live cattle was steady to two dollars lower, and exports have been soft. They're run, still running about 20 percent behind last year, and uh, the red ink again in the the live cattle uh, pressuring the feeders. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzalo says economics concerns were a big demand factor, especially in the meats. And, and this is really important for the livestock producer, the rancher and the hog producer out there, is that both the Federal Reserve and in the agriculture meat commodities, demand and consumption has held in there better than expected. And that's part of the reason why the Fed wants to keep raising rates, because they think the consumption is not going to back down. I don't see it that way. I think we're already starting to feel some impact of these higher interest rates, higher energy prices, strikes by the UAW, and now the potential government shutdown. I think this is a real interesting dynamic where this time around consumption may fall very rapidly just because of the macro fundamentals, not to mention the interest rates and the debt levels we're carrying. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. 
In the world of agriculture, every role a woman plays is vital. Meet Carmen, an agronomist who ensures every seed thrives. Her expertise fuels the success of our farms. And there's Judy, Tina, and Carrie, the backbone of our office. Their dedication keeps everything running smoothly. At ProSeed, we appreciate and value every woman in agriculture. Whether in the field, the office, or raising a family, your contributions shape our industry. Need seed? Think ProSeed. ProSeed.net. The stories that matter to you and your bottom line matter to us. We've had a little ridge of high pressure, say a little upward bump in the jet stream. So if you're an investor, you know, a lot of that money is can be either better utilized somewhere else or it's costing you a lot more money to keep in commodities. Many of those same clients in those states are really suffering with some issues on the uh, rainfall shortages. No one covers agriculture better than the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business. A look at news this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. A government shutdown appears to be inevitable. The Senate voted to open debate on a continuing resolution to keep the government funded until November 17th. No matter what happens with the Senate, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes to pass its own stopgap spending bill. The questions of how long a shutdown would last and what will be impacted remains. Policy Solutions President Jay Truitt expects several shorter shutdowns as lawmakers work to solve problems step by step. But if I had to guess, uh, I think we're going to see multiple few-day shutdowns, and that's really pretty typical of what tends to happen. The appropriators are trying to figure out how to do that continuing resolution. That alone saves money, and it helps the Republicans down the road. Uh, Democrats are aware of that, and they know that if they give just that tiny little break that they can have a, a discussion about sustaining programs, literally, without having to uh, debate them over what it costs because they've saved money just because they didn't do the natural increases. True, it says it will be important to really read language that comes out rather than opinions. There is a chance agriculture will be relatively unimpacted during the shutdown. need to not get caught up in the hype and and really listen carefully and read carefully the stuff that comes out, uh, not, not from all the random people who are going to have opinions about it, but the actual literal interpretations of, of what the, the legal language looks at. Um, so often we get caught up in this hype of falling for something because we think the sky is going to fall, and the truth is we may largely find ourselves in agriculture exempted from, the, from this first round or so, and maybe, maybe this is the time just to, to let other people duke it out. Oregon Congressman Earl Blumenauer and South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman have introduced a bill requiring USDA to publicly disclose the names of the farmers receiving crop insurance payments and the amount received. If this bill is passed, crop insurance payments would max out at $125,000 per year and coverage would be denied for farmers with more than $250,000 in annual adjusted gross income. The harvest price option would also go away if this proposal was approved. A highly opposed anti-checkoff amendment to the Ag Appropriations Bill was looked at this week by the House of Representatives and was ultimately defeated. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Senior Director of Government Affairs Tanner Beamer says the letter in opposition to the amendment sent to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was highly backed by other agricultural organizations. Beamer says the amendment came about to make checkoff programs more transparent, but there are already stipulations in place. Nothing 
in this amendment or in the OP Act, which it's kind of modeled after, would bring any new transparency measures to the checkoff program. Like I said, checkoffs are already required to undergo rigorous auditing on a regular basis, and USDA has to approve a lot of the work that they do, not to mention the fact that any checkoff contracts are are uh, fulfilled on a cost recovery basis, meaning that the contractors that are implementing those checkoff programs have to front the bill, and then if they are in compliance with the terms of that contract and the underlying relevant statutes, then they are uh, awarded those funds on a cost recovery basis. But those funds have to be fronted. Ukraine's ability to ship grain out of the Black Sea remains in limbo due to a Russian attack. The seaport in Odessa suffered significant damage. In addition to port facilities, grain storage was also damaged. During the same time, Ukraine shot down drones in Russian territory. That's a look at news this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. While the rest of the world is still asleep, the local cafe is coming to life. The coffee's on, the rolls are in the oven, and the regulars are coming in to claim their tables, just like clockwork. Everyone knows that you best be on time or risk paying the price. Even Jack from Choice Bank down the street. All right, all right, coffee's on me. When it comes to choosing a banker, find someone you'd want to grab a coffee with. Choice Bank, top North Dakota ag bank for 10 years running. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our determination, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. A look at weather this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. According to the latest crop progress report, pasture and range conditions improved slightly with 36% rated good to excellent compared to 34% last week across the nation. For Minnesota, 65% of rangeland rated poor to fair, 74% of North Dakota rated fair to good, and 76% of South Dakota rated fair to good. Rains reduced drought intensity in parts of the Great Plains, Upper Mississippi Valley, and Mid-Atlantic states. The latest U.S. drought monitor showed Minnesota with the greatest improvement in drought conditions in the country, but the entire state remains in abnormally dry to extreme drought conditions. Rains did eliminate all exceptional or D4 drought. North Dakota remains in moderate to severe drought along the Canadian border and throughout the eastern part of the state. The sugar beet harvest campaigns for American Crystal, Mindac, and Southern Minnesota beet sugar cooperatives are being pushed back until root temperatures are cooler. Weekend temps are expected to climb into the upper 70s to the mid to upper 80s, warming root temperatures to well above the optimal storage temp of 50 degrees. Southern Minnesota Beet Sugar Cooperative Vice President of Agriculture Todd Giselius is expecting full harvest to begin Wednesday. So our pre-pile is uh, we had a plan to go through this week and as we're doing some math it looks like if we do that we're going to have some beets on the ground to get us to middle of next week. So we're going to use that to allow us to uh, avoid some of the heat during the beginning of the week. Uh, and that also allows us to clean up some strips to make sure we have maximum room to store beets when we get to main harvest. So right now we're planning on starting at midnight on Wednesday morning, 
but of course, all subject to weather and how that might change things. National Weather Service Bismarck, North Dakota meteorologist Zach Hargrove says freezing temperatures are still a ways out in the forecast for North Dakota and northwest Minnesota. Yeah, usually in this area we see our first freezing temperatures in that September the 21st to September 30th time frame. Um, right now, uh, it doesn't look like in the, uh, in the next seven days we're going to see any freezing temperatures. There are some hints as we get into that first week of October that maybe we could see some, some upper 30s, lower 40s in the west, and as we get closer, the, the, those temperatures might nudge down a little bit. Uh, but right now, uh, we do not have any freezing temperatures in the, you know, in the mid to long term. So we might see that, uh, that delay you know, continue for a little bit longer here. The corn crop is in varying stages of maturity, and DSU Extension small grains agronomist Claire Keen says in southeast North Dakota, some cornfields have already been harvested, while others won't be touched until October. I have had reports mostly further north um, and west of pockets that just didn't get rain, and corn is being harvested early, perhaps as early as two to three weeks ago. But those are the fields that were really struggling due to drought stress, and the crop just gave up early. But for places that did get some of those very scattered showers two weeks ago and over the weekend, if the corn hadn't reached physiological maturity yet, it is able to make use of that water. Now, it's not going to bring back missing kernels at this point, but it certainly can add test weight and help that grain fill out better than it would had it, had it not received that moisture. Keen thinks the bulk of corn harvest will get started the second week of October. This has been a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Every livestock farmer knows they can't control the weather. Recent growing seasons have shown rain can be hard to come by at times. Now you can add protection with a pasture rangeland forage policy through Egg Country Farm Credit Services. PRF policies help protect you against future yield losses caused by a lack of rain. Better yet, they're customizable and can cover hay and pasture acres. To learn about a PRF policy, contact your local Egg Country office today. From the Northern Plains to South America, World Weather Incorporated Senior Meteorologist Drew Lerner is your trusted source for agricultural weather. The region with 60 and 70 degree temperatures likely in many areas, perhaps even some temperatures near or slightly over 80 degrees will occur in South Dakota. We'll also have increasing southeast wind across the region tomorrow, especially the eastern Dakotas and Minnesota. A more generalized one taking place across the eastern Dakotas, Minnesota and Manitoba. Drew Lerner, only on the Red River Farm Network.